and welcome back everyone to another episode of PFN's Run the Table podcast. If you notice, we've got a little bit of a different title now. We're kind of doing a relaunch. I guess the biggest, easiest example, this is kind of getting to the why. Well, we wanted to start from scratch with the NFL season starting up and build one show that encompasses fantasy football, DFS, and sports betting from different angles and kind of put it all together into one compact show that is chock full of actionable advice. Whether it's Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, the show will evolve to cover topics uh, to keep you and the all sports fans uh, up to date with all the latest information around the NFL and help you make your most informed decisions, especially involving that ever present bankroll. I am your co-host for today. I am Tommy Garrett, Pro, Pro Football Network's senior fantasy analyst. You can find myself over on Twitter at Tommy Garrett PFN and making his podcast debut is Mr. Ian Warden. You can find him over at NFL Film Study. Uh, does fantasy football and sports betting. So, Ian, dude, first of all, thank you for joining all of us. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself, kind of give us everyone a little bit of a rundown, and then we'll kind of start talking about the 2022 NFL season that I can't believe we've actually made it to. I know, right? It's been a crazy offseason. Yeah, just so much has happened. It's the, like the last two offseasons with all these stars being traded has been amazing. It's been like fantasy uh, Madden world just like brought to It was everything we wanted because awesome. it was going to be so disappointing if these moves didn't happen. <laughs> And then the NFL right. said, hold my beer. We're going to have a party with this one. Exactly. Exactly. So it, I think it's going to live up to the hype. This is the craziest year that I think I can remember entering. That was probably yeah. the best playoffs I can ever remember last year. So I think this is really great for, for parody. Um, but yeah, my background, I've done some scouting in the background in my uh, previous stops with optimum scouting with Eric Galco. Um, who's in the East-West Shrine Bowl now, uh, doing great things over there. So I started out there with doing NFL, college football, um, XFL, AFL, back when that was a thing. Um, so a lot of my background comes from player personnel evaluation, and everything that has kind of stemmed from there has, has grown over time. I uh, worked with Bleacher Report for a long time, uh, doing scouting reports, doing draft breakdowns. Um, have worked for a bevy of sites in the meantime, doing scouting reports or looking at things through like a different lens, right? Like mm -hmm. charting quarterbacks or um, bringing uh, cornerbacks and wide receiver performances, charting those to see how they uh, project into future performance. And then eventually moving that into the fantasy space and seeing. I you know, love how... getting into like wide receiver cornerback matchups. That's one of oh, my favorite things. And that's so something we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coverage, performance, all of those things. So just trying to become smarter, like not only myself, but just kind of share like these different projects that I found along the way. And uh, my journey's led me to here with PFN and I'm super excited. Um, we're already doing a lot of great stuff, um, whether it be in our free discord, whether it be in our PFN pass membership, uh, we're doing a lot of really cool stuff. So just excited to share um, the betting, uh, betting angles that we're going to cover, the fantasy angles that we're going to cover. It's just a really cool experience for, for me to join a really great team. So happy to be on board. And we could not be more happy to have you. Remember, you guys can find him over on Twitter at NFL Film Study. But my man, we got a game to talk about. After all of the waiting and anticipation and preparation, it's time to get actually to some football. Some The 2022 NFL season is on us, and it feels like the Super Bowl. And quite frankly, this could be the Super Bowl as we see the Buffalo Bills take on the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. As of right now, we've seen a little bit of a line movement as we kind of get into the betting segment of things today. The Bills, depending on the site you want to go on, depending on where you're using, 
honestly, if you have, if you want to get into sports betting, PFN, we have tons of affiliate codes that are out there to help you out on whatever site you are using. But right now, you can get the Buffalo Bills as two and a half point favorites over the Rams. Um, looking at an over under of between fifty one and a half and fifty two and a half, depending on the site you are choosing. Ian, what are your kind of first thoughts when you kind of see these numbers? It looks like it's going to be a high scoring game, but probably close, which I don't think it should be a surprise given the high power of these two offenses. Yeah, I mean, you've got an offseason winner in the Buffalo Bills and yeah. literally taking from the Rams and Von Miller. Yeah. They stole Von Miller. I still think like no one's really talking about that. Like that was just kind of like a blip in this offseason's radar. Uh, that was a it huge really was. move. Yeah, and I mean, it, we were all looking at Von Miller going back to Denver or the Rams, yep. and then all of a sudden he signs you know, with the Bills. So props to them for making that huge signing. It's, it's going to be massive, I think, when it comes playoff time. For this matchup, Obviously, we'll see if it pays dividends right away. Uh, my initial instinct was probably like the public. You've got the Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills, and mm-hmm. you've got them on a pretty favorable line. We've seen them continually uh, to get bets poured on them, and some of that's because Matthew Stafford's elbow situation, which was kind of weird, but now he's like totally fine. So uh, it's kind of like a wait-and-see situation yeah. since they hit him throughout the preseason, which is probably the smart thing to do. Um, yep. But this is where we have to kind of rely on what we know. And what we know about the Buffalo Bills, last year they were 11-6 and six in the regular season. They were a little bit of a letdown team in the regular season for as good as they were. Um, top five at the top three in offense and defense. So very impressive mm-hmm. on paper. But Josh Allen took a step back with his efficiency. Yards per attempt dropped by a yard. His uh, accuracy dropped by almost six percentage points. So he was really good but he wasn't the best version of himself. And that kind of spread throughout the entire team. Some of that was missing time from certain guys. But I think in the regular season, they were a good team that had talent to be great. They went to the postseason. They put together two great postseason games. Josh Allen maybe had the best back-to-back performance that we've ever seen from a quarterback. So what team is the Buffalo Bills? That's going to be a question that we're going to have to see this game. And so I'm looking at the Rams, and I say, well, you know, it's tough that they lost Von Miller. Bobby Wagner, great addition. They beefed up that secondary a little bit. Added Allen Robinson, who I absolutely love for Matthew Stafford. Preach. And, Preach and to man, me. I'm excited about this team. And when I look at them and their betting profile, they were underdogs 10 times last year. Or I'm sorry, over the last two years since 2020. Seven mm-hmm. and three straight up and against the spread as the underdogs. The overcashed in three of their last uh, nine times that they closed as underdogs. So you're looking at their generally a very good bet when they're underdogs and the under is generally a very good bet as they're underdogs. And I trust that because the staff has stayed pretty consistent. Sean McVay has stayed consistent regardless of who he loses from his staff, um, even though he did lose Kevin O'Connell from that staff. So yeah. I, I really like this matchup going in. We're going to learn a lot about both teams. I'm a little bit worried about the Bills. Are they going to come out a little too hyped up? Are they going to come out uh, feeling that pressure from the offseason? Whereas the Rams are living life good. Everybody got paid. Everybody's sitting pretty. And they don't have the pressure of necessarily walking into this game with a chip on their shoulder. That might actually help them to not be overcharged. Yeah. The Rams went all in last year and it worked. They had to do what they had to do. It's like the bills are in that same situation now where they've got to get that monkey off their back. They're still trying to get past the wide rights. And you can now add 13 seconds into the lexicon now of unfortunate events that bills fans have to relive. Um, so I agree. I think there's a pr- there's more pressure on them. And quite frankly, you talked about you know the the Rams and they're opening things up. 
under Sean McVay, the Rams are 5-0 and in season openers. And the defending Super Bowl champion, they are 19-3 and in Week 1 since 2000. Now, this is not your typical Week 1 game. This is not a cakewalk game. Uh, but the numbers do say we should be giving some more respect to the Rams. And I think a lot of betters are going to look more towards like your your touchdown, your anytime touchdown scores, where we do kind of see, okay, there's you can always get good odds on good players. It's a high-scoring game. Are there any people you're kind of looking towards more that could be a, a touchdown prop in this one that might be going a little bit more under the radar? Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to gravitate towards the stars, and those are those are going to be good picks. Like, yeah, over the course of the stars season, for a reason. Exactly. Over the course of the season, you're generally going to make money on those more often than not if you're betting on the right guys. But I'm looking yeah. at the running backs for this game, and it's not really a game that you would think that both running backs or any of the running backs, as both teams have deep backfields, um, would have an especially strong game, but we're looking at situational play. So for me, it's mm-hmm. Cam Akers, which he's obviously the starting running back for the Los Angeles Rams. However, his status has been a little bit up in the air. Coach says he's good to go, which is great. But I think that really means for him is that he's going to get the touches that matter. Darrell Henderson is going to probably get the lesser touches, maybe even Kyron Williams, who Sean McVay talked about this guy as the skill set. You know, we don't need to see it out of him. We've already seen it out of him. That stuff might matter later in the season. But for me, it's week one. They're going to give Akers every single chance to fail until he does fail. And we saw that in the postseason last year, bringing him back from a torn Achilles after like six months. It's insane to think about. But they gave him the ball. So, like, you want to bet on somebody that was already earning that trust. Like, that's how much this staff loves him. So, I like Cam Akers, anytime score, plus 125. Uh, Devin Singletary, Mm. similar argument on the other side of the ball uh, Mm. for the Buffalo Bills. Yes, we could look at James Cook. Yes, we could look at uh, Zach Moss as maybe, you know, I think Zach Moss is plus 380 scoring a touchdown. But they added James Cook. So, there's the argument against him to say, well, they already added someone that's going to take that role most likely, or like as a third down back. Singletary, we can't forget about Singletary. He's still someone that has the starting job. He outproduced uh, uh, James Cook throughout the preseason, throughout training camp, in an opportunity that really wasn't set up for him to succeed, and he still did it. I think they're going to take a little bit of that pressure off of Josh Allen this year, and I think that starts week one. Even though Allen has that complex where he's going to go for it, and I respect it, (laughs) but this is going to be where the coaching staff steps in and says, we can't survive without Josh Allen. We're going to give him the ball near the goal lines. We're going to rely on an offensive line that added Roger Saffold, which is a heck of a pickup. We lost a little bit of receiving talent. Let's rely on that ground game. So I like Singletary plus 140 as well. Now, since you're already looking at the running backs, are you looking at any of their yardage totals? Like, is there anything there you also find interesting? Because usually if you're looking at success in the goal line, they're probably going to find success, like, you know, in between the 20s as well. So is there anyone you're kind of leaning towards there as well? I do. Yeah, I go back to Akers on this because he was given a really favorable line, 43 and a half rushing yards for him. Again, he's going to get the carries. Sean McVay might give him 18 to 20 carries. And the Rams number one running back typically has seen like 17 plus. So do you find this? It's just a combination of they're not entirely sure what the split backfield is going to look like. And then also playing like the number one EPA defense from last year. Is that kind of what you're seeing here? Exactly. I'm not seeing a huge rushing total against against the Bills because the Bills are just efficient, but the, the Rams will do what they do. They don't yep. care about the success of the run game per se. They just do it to simply execute it. And then they can base the rest of their offense around it. Akers will be the star. It might be ugly, 17 touches for 45 yards, but that hits our over. That's all we care about. So we're taking yeah. Akers over. And then I actually like Josh Allen over on the rushing yards as well. I know he's not a running back, but 
dang it, there's some times where he's going to try to be like a running back. He's going to so, be the most effective runner on the field that entire day. He will. He might have the longest run as well. So I don't want to touch Singletary's because of those other factors of the other backs. Whereas I think mm-hmm. Singletary will get the goal line touches because he is the most trusted back. I do think they're going to rotate through those backs. So I don't want to touch that. But Allen, 63 more, 63 yards or more rushing in the last five games, including the playoffs. He topped the 40, 39 and a half number in 10 of the 17 games last year. This week, we're getting him at 40. Uh, I've seen 39 and a half. So that, that's the key number here, right? Oh. So 63% of the time, he's hitting that bet at minus 130 is the price that I saw. That's just a no-brainer to me. It, when he's hitting that 63% of the time, this is this is the, literally the perfect matchup for him to want to do too much, which means he's going to mm-hmm. run. If he goes into that angel of death mode, that means he's scrambling. So I love Josh Allen over 39 and a half rushing yards. That's probably my favorite one you've talked about so far. Um, I do want to talk about the passing game any because we have kind of talked about just nothing but on the ground, which I think the the arms and the receivers are kind of like the the focus of this matchup. It's it's strength on strength right now. Rams, um, Jalen Ramsey going against Stephon Diggs. Got Gabriel Davis over there. Cooper Cup gets it a little bit easier because Tredavious White is on the pup list. So the Bills are out one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL for week one. Is there anything you're kind of leaning towards with the uh, the pass catchers or with the quarterbacks? I am. So I'm looking at one key bet for each team. It's it's a little bit tough with the Rams passing game yet. I'm not really yeah. super confident in that. Like I know Cooper Cup's going to do great things. I know Allen Robinson. I'm confident he's going to do good things. Uh, but those numbers have to make sense for these prop bets. And I didn't mm-hmm. really see one that made a lot of sense except for Stafford. I actually saw a Stafford bet that I really liked. Both quarterbacks have 0.5 interceptions over under. I like Stafford over that. I like him to throw an interception in this game, um, not only because of the elbow issues, but he's picked off eight times in the last four games of last regular season. Okay. He got risky and with he had, towards the end. He did. Things started to get a little un- under, out of control. Even in the playoffs, mm-hmm. yes, he played well. There's still opportunities there, and this is a great defense that is going to be ball hawking, especially with Jordan Poyer uh, probable to play off of his elbow injury. So only six games last year, he didn't throw an interception. So it's cashing 65% of the time, getting that at minus 130. Again, we're just playing the numbers at that one, and it plays his tendencies. Um, seen 130, seen one, minus 145 as well. I like it both either way because we're just mm-hmm. cashing too often on that. Um, the other one is on the bill side. It's Stephon Diggs, over 65, 68 and a half yards. Yes, he's he may be playing Jalen Ramsey more often. Ramsey doesn't always travel with the receivers. So those things ebb and flow to each game. Um, it's an improved secondary. I do want to make a point of that. We've got uh, we've got Troy Hill back added to this group, which is a really nice addition for them. But they also have a lot of young guys. They drafted four defensive backs, three of them at corner. Yeah. If those guys are going to be playing, which you can bet that Ken Dorsey, the new offensive coordinator for the Bills, is going to be moving Stephon Diggs around. The nice part. Now it's never great to lose someone that you know that they lost in um, uh, at the receiver position, like they lost Emmanuel Sanders. However. Mm-hmm. This this group is a little bit more flexible this year. You've got Gabe Davis on the outside as an obvious Z receiver. Uh, you've got Stephon Diggs who can move to the inside of the slot. You can move him outside. I think that Isaiah McKenzie, you'll see him a little bit more. I see Jamison Crowder a little bit more. I would watch for this to be a little bit more of a flexible position than maybe more than what some people want to look at it on paper and say that McKenzie and, and Crowder are just inside only. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Khalil Hodge might play a little bit too. Diggs will move around. He'll find the spots in zone. This is going to be a pass-happy game if it gets really tight late. That means Diggs is going to get opportunities against zone coverages. He's great against zone coverages. 68.5 for me is an easy over. 
Yeah, I mean, we didn't even touch on Khalil Shakir, a guy me and you both yep. liked coming out of the draft that just added more depth to this Bills team. And you know, between that and Clear Elon, like this is a it's, it's the best roster top to bottom, in my opinion. I think of the NFL, yeah, this is the most loaded roster. There's a reason they're the Super Bowl favorites. They're my pick to win the Super Bowl. Josh Allen, that's my MVP. I mean, it's yep. everything for me points towards the Bills just being really good. And like I said, it's a this is a Titan style matchup. This is what we we're hoping for the Super Bowl can be, and it's. Honestly, at this point, it looks like we're going to get everything we could have wanted on the opening night. And if you want to get everything you wanted out of this matchup, and if you want to win a free $150 this NFL season, well, as a new user on FanDuel Sportsbook, you can bet $5 and win $150, regardless of whether or not your bet wins or loses. Head over to ProFootballNetwork.com to check out our latest betting promos and claim this offer today so you can jump in there and tail Ian on some of these betting picks he's already laid out so far. We're going to transition into our next topic here, which is kind of covering a little more of the DFS angle, kind of that merger between fantasy and sports betting. We know the good players are. And quite frankly, this is an expensive week. There are so many good players where you're going to be running out of salary so quickly. So I think it's really where you've got to look towards some of the more undervalued plays for Thursday night. There's not a ton, but I think there is some value there. We kind of touched on this earlier when you were talking about the the Bills' backfield uh, between, like, you know, uh, Devin Singletary obviously being the lead back, and he's also the highest-priced one for the Buffalo Bills, coming in at, uh, what is it, 7000 over on DraftKings right now. But they've got some other options here, too. Zach Moss at $3,000. Um, that's not a bad deal. I actually don't mind that one because he could get some usage in the red zone. Devin Singletary absolutely did destroy towards the end of last year. We kind of saw that. But Zach Moss, if they're going to give him some run, and he actually looked fairly decent in the preseason, if they bring him in there as that kind of one-cut power zone kind of guy in the red zone, there's a chance he could actually find the end zone. I think that's where we're going to find his value. Last year, you know, tallied 345 yards and four touchdowns on 96 attempts. Nothing to write home about. Obviously, the the concern is always going to be, you know, does Josh Allen just keep the ball himself? Like, he's their most effective red zone running back, which is always right. going to hurt. But for three grand, can you make a case for Zach Moss? Yeah, and I think that's, I think it's nice that you're trying to save Josh Allen and you're trying to just force the issue. You have three backs now. Are you going to just carve out three particularly uninteresting roles for these guys? Is it going to be that chalk? And it may that's be. That's my concern. And that was my yep. concern when they even brought in James Cook. Go back even further when they were looking to bring in J.D. McKissick. The was, Bills yeah. clearly want a passing style running back in this offense. And people point to saying, oh, well, they've never been a team that utilizes the running back. Well, maybe that's just because they didn't have the personnel they thought they needed at the time. Last year, they targeted running backs just only 98 times, which is 15.8, sorry, 15.4%, which was the eighth lowest total in the NFL. You remedied that by going out and getting the best pest catching back of this entire class. Like, this is what he was known for at doing at Georgia. So, for me, I think you could end up with three very segmented, but all roles lose upside, where Devin Singletary is going to be that primary between the 20s. Explosive back, he's going to get a little bit of pass catching work. You get Zach Moss inside the goal line, splitting reps with Josh Allen and Devin Singletary. And then on third down and passing situations, then it's James Cook. And all of a sudden, everyone is losing value everywhere. 
it's honestly Devin Singletary gets impacted the worst because he loses the valuable touches in the red zone, especially inside the five and the targets, which are worth about three times more than your average carry. So it's, I'm a little worried for both these backfields. I mean, like I said, if you want to go Zach Moss or even James Cook, like I think it makes some sense just because you're trying to load the top part of your roster with tons of upside. I mean, maybe I'm crazy on this one. I can see, but I can see a little bit of value here. I do too. And, and some of it is the strengths of the, the Rams defense where they're more willing to give up a little bit of the run game than they are yeah. in the passing game. Their own moves told us that we mm-hmm. saw that they allowed defensive linemen to depart in free agency they add Bobby Wagner in hopes that they could replace those guys with a st- superstar middle linebacker, which he will help. However, 100%. as we all know, the linebacker does not make the defensive line 99% of the times. So it's usually great defensive linemen who can win at the point of the attack and slow the ran- run game before uh, it even starts. And so I think Moss is a good opportunity there. You're going to see those moments inside the five-yard line. I just can't see another back in there. And it's, so it yeah. either becomes Moss or it becomes Allen. And I'm, I really think that they're going to try to protect Allen as much as they humanly can this year. I think the the play for me this week in, in DFS, it's got to be Isaiah McKenzie. Maybe yeah. I'm crazy, but I think it's got to be him. Like He's even cheaper than the two running backs who we have questions of. Coming in at $2,400, to me, this is the steal. Like I, Back when back over the summer when, we, when the Bills brought in Jameson Crowder, myself and Cody Work, who used to be here with now with Mile High Sports, we both thought that this was one of the best signings of all of free agency. And then Isaiah McKenzie says, no, I'm just going to go win this job outright. And all of a sudden, we have this massive, massive value right now for fans of football. Like, he's been the guy, I've, I've had him listed on sleepers, I've had him listed on waivers. You're going to hear him in start sits here pretty soon. Like, everything has been focused on Isaiah McKenzie right now, but if it just makes so much sense. Josh Allen, second most amongst quarterbacks and targets aligned to the slot, to slot aligned wide receivers, I should, I should say, in 2021. And he was also first in 2000. In fact, at least 25% of Allen's attempts have gone to a slot receiver in each of the last three years. Cole Beasley posted over 100 targets over the last three years from the slot. But go back to that 2020 year. It was actually McKenzie who even led the team in touchdowns from that position with five. Like McKenzie received the starters treatment during the preseason. I'm all in on this guy. We know the volume is there. We know the role is there. We know the Bills want to use this. They run more three wide receiver personnel sets than anyone else in the NFL. Odds are Gabe Davis and Stephon and uh, Stephon Diggs, they're going to get the majority of the coverage. All of a sudden, we're looking on Troy Hill covering Isaiah McKenzie in the red zone. Like the minute Josh Allen wants to scramble and get loose, McKenzie's going to get open because he's bringing a more dynamic skill set to a role that we know could see 100 plus targets. Now, and, I think you probably feel the same way. We think Crowder will still be involved a little bit in this. I don't think I don't think one single guy is going to get that 100 target share. Like that's not how this works. But of the guys that are available, McKenzie is by far the most attractive option and the one that I would want to roster both in DFS and just for general fantasy this week. And Tommy, this is where both of our kind of like scouting backgrounds come from, where it says logically, Jamison Crowder's a heck of a play. And Absolutely. he's a good, he's he's like you said, he's going to play. However, he's a more vertical player. And yep. where McKenzie, he is constantly getting the short passes. I love that in the red zone. That's what we want. We it's want perfect. Isaiah McKenzie perfect. to get a handful of red zone targets and to catch two of them 
and he costs you a third of what the rest of the receivers are costing. I think he's even priced less than Jameson Crowder from the last I checked. So you're getting a heck of a deal. You're getting someone that 85, 90% of the population is going to look at this guy saying the backup slot receiver. He signed for what, like a million and a half dollars this year. Like that. That's not, that's not someone that we're going to play in, in DFS. That's the type of difference that you're looking at. And you're looking at matchup wise. He's either going to be up against, like you said, Troy Hill, who is older. And there was a reason why Cleveland traded him. He's a nice player, but he's a little bit older. So not going to win a lot of those one-on-ones with a guy who's one of the fastest guys in the NFL or against a safety. And I definitely like that matchup every single time I can take a slot a slot receiver against the safety. So really, really love that pickup as well. And you were absolutely right. He is cheaper than Jameson Crowder. Honestly, I didn't even look for Crowder's name when I was going through because I knew he was never going to be in my target radar. He's five grand. He's over Crazy. twice as expensive as I McKenzie. Honestly, if you're playing in one of these captain lineups where you got to put your MVP in there, would would either of us be shocked if Isaiah McKenzie was the guy who ended up having the winning lineup if you had him in your captain spot? I wouldn't be surprised. I think right. Josh Allen's going to be the chalk play, but if Isaiah McKenzie goes and balls out and does what he does, you're looking at someone who's probably not going to be in that spot in a good percentage of leagues. There's a little bit of an advantage there, I feel like. Absolutely, and those are the margins that it takes to win these big, these big DFS uh, competitions. You have to take a risk on a guy like that. It just makes too much sense. Yeah. Um, is there anyone we saw Van Jefferson going to be out this week? Do you yeah. have any interest in Tutu Atwell or Ben Skoranek as a potential low, a uh, a low volume play? Because I don't think a lot of people are kind of looking this way, but there might be a little bit of upside. I would like to put one lineup in there, at least with Tutu Atwell in there. I, I didn't like this guy coming out of college. No offense to the guy. He's just, his frame scares me. His play it was a draft capital me. more than anything. It was. And so I'm going to put a little bit of faith in that though, because we've, you know, we've covered this a lot throughout our articles throughout the summer um, about the way the Rams run things. They filter yep. heavily to their top two targets. It's very rare that their third target is going to get a whole lot of volume. And so with Atwell for $1,500, I don't care about the volume. I'm just looking for one big play. Can this guy get downfield, pass those safeties, and can he make a 40, 50, 60 yard touchdown on one play? So I like that for that type of value. I wouldn't really look at the rest of this unit though, and and I, it's hard for me to justify it when we just talked about Isaiah McKenzie being That's that my guy. Point. So yep. for me, if you really want a really cheap guy, if you go very expensive at captain, if you go Allen, if you go even Stafford or Cooper Cup. At the, at the captain, maybe it makes sense to at least fit one of your lineups. If you get down under 2,500 bucks and you can't afford McKenzie, go ahead and put Atwell in there. He is an ultimate risk flyer. You might get nothing out of him, but there's at least that semblance of a chance that he could win you the entire tournament. Yeah. And cause there's also, they're really cheap. I mean, two, two, Atwell coming in at yeah. just at a thousand. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, that's good value. I mean, just while we were sitting here, like you can make this work. Isaiah McKenzie, it to me is like the linchpin of this, where he makes all this come together. Josh Allen is MVP, Gabe Davis, Allen Robinson, Isaiah McKenzie, Darrell Henderson, Matthew Stafford. You can put that lineup together and you still got $600 left over. Just a yeah. real quick thing. We kind of hit all the angles. If you want to go even further and you want to try to get like Stefan Diggs, some of the top guys in there, like a Cooper Cup, then flexing someone out like maybe like Darrell Henderson or someone else for a uh, for a 2-2 at will, then all of a sudden you kind of crack the code and can get, get a reasonable lineup put together and what's a very expensive week. But price doesn't matter if you're just setting your lineups in normal redraft, which is, thank God, is back. I love Dynasty, but look, redraft is my first love. 
that's my high school crush. It's the one I'm always going to go back to if I get the chance. And I was just so glad we kind of get sets of lineups now and I just have a little bit of fun. But I think one of the big talking points of this whole offseason has really kind of been what's going to happen with the the backfield for the Rams. Sean McVay didn't help things out at all, where he literally was quoted saying, look, I look at it as we've got two starting running backs. They need to be on the field. I think it's healthy for them to be to supplement one another. Like That's straight from the head coach, and I get it. And it makes sense. Of the two, I have been very vocal for in fantasy this year that I do prefer Cam Akers. Overall, he does come in this week, my RB28 in fantasy. Honestly, nothing because of him. It's literally just because of the matchup. I just don't like running backs going against Buffalo Bills, and there are some better matchups that are out there. For me, I think way too much emphasis was placed on what happened in the postseason and not over the fact they literally threw him out there with no tune-up. Like, he had five carries in week in week uh, 17 that it was, and they threw him in there for 60, 67 rushes in the playoffs. But we're also not talking about the fact that, yeah, he didn't play great, but none of the Rams were good in terms of their running backs, and they also faced Tampa Bay, which was the number one rush defense, and they played San Francisco twice in three of his five games. Like, even during that time, he was still averaging 19.25 opportunities per game with no ramp up. And what's also not mentioned is like 2.4 yards per carry was coming after contact. So we're looking at a guy who was six months removed off tearing his Achilles, and he's still getting almost two and a half yards a pop running through a dude's chest. Like, that's impressive. Um, I, I Like I said, I still lean... Cam Akers, I was taking advantage of like a little bit of a suppressed value, getting him as your RB two. If you want to go like more of like a go go like a Taylor McCaffrey Najee if you had an early pick, or if you want like um, Justin Jefferson and come back and grab Cam Akers like in the in the third, you could do that easily. I'm big on Cam Akers. Apparently, he is good to go after dealing with a soft tissue injury, but I'm also not going to lie. There's a wide range of outcomes. He could either be great or he could struggle, and the two just kind of split carries. Um, Henderson's also been kind of dealing with soft tissue injury. I lean Cam Akers this week in terms of like if you needed to a start sit decision between the two. Do you have a, a lean on yourself on this one, Ian? Yeah, if I'm going to go there, I'm with you. I'm on Akers. I think it just makes sense. We're, we need to bet on the player that this organization believes in the most. Yeah, um, and that's Akers, right? Like they've signaled that from the start. They wouldn't have taken Akers even in the first place when they drafted him if they didn't love this guy. Let alone all the great things that you just told us about things that happened last year. That's why I like him for the touchdown prop. Um, I think it just makes sense too for fantasy. He's going to have the opportunities. There's not a logical uh, replacement. If Henderson yeah. was that close in talent. Um, which I'm a Henderson, Henderson guy. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I don't think been, I think the cat's good at football. Like, he's good yeah, at what he does. But I think Cam sure. Akers is just a little bit better because we never yeah. even got to see the best of Cam Akers. Go back yeah. and look at the offensive line he was playing with a Florida State. He was Crazy. never able to showcase what he could do. Then all of a sudden you have the torn Achilles. Does we does last year? Like, this is the first time we're going to get a proper look at Cam Akers. Like for me, like I'm excited about that, and that shouldn't detract from the capabilities or the talent of Darrell Henderson. He just plays with a guy who I think is probably a better running back. Exactly. And don't forget, this was a guy that was going in first round of fantasy drafts yep. last year before the injury. There was a reason for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's look at the other backfield. Uh, the two backs we're kind of looking at, obviously, in this one's going to be Devin Singletary and James Cook. While I think Zach Moss makes sense from a, a betting standpoint, from fantasy where I kind of want those secure roles, it doesn't make as much sense um, 
for me, Devin Singletary, it's kind of that lower end, like RB3 kind of range, even though we know he can perform so much better. Uh, go back to last year when he just went ballistic when he was finally treated as their number one rusher over the last four games, rushed 80 yards, 375 carries, and four touchdowns. I, the guy was averaging 22 PPR points per game. It's it's just incredible. Um, RB2 over that stretch, Rashad Penny. Just going to say, amazing. you can make stuff work if you're active on the waiver wire. Like, you never drafted both these guys. Um, I, I definitely expect Singletary to be the number one. But I think what's interesting is we're talking about a team that had the fifth high fastest offense in neutral uh, in neutral game pace and was 65% in their passing rank, ranked only second to Tampa. So if we're looking at that passing situation and where a target is worth almost three times more points, James Cook as a, an RB4 low in flex play, I can make a case for it. But I think this is the question for you on this one. On a Thursday night, first game of the season, are you willing to trust a satellite style passing down back on a Thursday night that could put you potentially behind the eight ball on Sunday in the opening week? Is that a move you'd be willing to make? Or are you kind of say, Hey, look, I'll trust Singletary and I'm going to wait and see on the other guys. Like, what are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah. I'm more of the type. If the, if we had guys out on bye week, if it was more of a difficult decision because of uh, guys that may have to sit I would probably lean more towards giving them a shot, but you know, Singletary was among one of the later drafted starting running backs in the league. Cook was going drafted really late for a reason. Part of that is just uncertainty. And maybe that changes in like a month from now, like two or three weeks from now, he might become one of the hottest trade guys available just because the NFL works like that. I think he's, ob- yeah. he's a buy low Canada right now. Like if, you, if you believe in him, buy into him right now, because he might very well struggle against the Rams. And that shouldn't be a surprise when a lot of people are going to struggle against the Rams. Yep. The Rams were up towards, uh, they're one of the better defenses in the league last year um, against fantasy points against. So they yep. they do a good job of stuffing running backs. So only, uh, I believe it was only three receiving touchdowns last year that they allowed uh, to running back position. And so don't expect a lot of James Cook to really um, break through. Bobby Wagner's a big, big, big part of that. He's going to be assigned to cover in the middle of the field. He's going to go out to the flat. He's going to be one-on-one with James Cook a lot whenever he's given those opportunities. So I don't love that. Uh, individual matchup. I don't love that the team makes a point to slow down the position because they themselves on offense do a really good job of creating with running backs in the passing game. I think there is a correlation there. So I am fading these backs a little bit more in fantasy just because I don't think that this is the defense to do it against more less. So anything against the bill, some of it is like the role, like you talked about, like, you know, rotating these guys in. I don't love that. And I also don't love their matchup. Yeah, uh, you'll see these guys all ranked higher. It's just a little bit of uncertainty and just not a great matchup. Uh, we're going to kind of take a quick look at the tight ends between Dawson Knox and Tyler Higby. Dawson Knox was the one of the big stories on Wednesday because he did get a brand new contract with the Buffalo Bills, including $31 million guaranteed, uh, getting $53.6 million over the next four years. He's been the red zone threat. Go back to last season, 49 catches, almost 600 yards and nine touchdowns with 31 first downs and he's been one of the big regression candidates. A lot of people have talked about interestingly enough, he actually had an expected touchdown total of seven. So he was actually only two touchdowns above expectation. Part of that is because he just set career highs in targets, reception yards, but 18 targets in the red zone, which was six most amongst tight ends. Yes. He's touchdown dependent, but his role gets him in the red zone pretty damn often. 
Um, of these two guys, I would lean on Dawson Knox if you need to take a tight end. Higby, high end tight end to upside, but there's 20 different guys we could put in that category. Dawson Knox has the upside to put you inside the top three. I would prefer Dawson Knox this week over Tyler Higby. Um, and in terms of the defenses, I'm just staying away. I'm sorry. There's too many points. Points and defenses and fantasy don't mesh well. It's oil and water. Doesn't work. Bills last year, number three in points per game at 28.4. They got even better. The Rams last year, number eight, averaging 27 points per game and also averaged 373.2 yards, which was uh, seventh in the NFL. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the Higby and Knox debate? And I, I'm assuming you're staying away from the defenses this week. Like when you can yeah. go out there and get Baltimore against the Jets or Denver versus Seattle, San Francisco against the Bears, like there's too many good streaming matchups to try to play a game with this one, like, and hope you get an interception. Like that's not going to cut it. Yeah, I mean, I could maybe talk you into taking like the Bills betting that they score a defensive touchdown in this one or a special teams touchdown. And I would uh, bet but, that would actually happen, but I would, like I said, I would bet that I'm not, I'm not trusting my fantasy <laughs> lineup with that. Exactly, exactly. There's no way. There's no way. So for me, I'm avoiding these defenses. Tight ends. I'm buying into Dawson Knox, offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. He's in his first game without Brian Dayball there. What's he going to do to be successful? You do yep. what made you successful the year prior. You go back to your tight end. That doesn't necessarily mean Knox will score a touchdown this year or this game. I bet he gets at least a target. I bet he gets maybe two targets, and that might be all he needs because he is so good in the red zone. If I will he gets say two targets, Tyler, he might have two touchdowns. Exactly. There's also That's also the flip side. He was so efficient, 50% of his targets, boom, he got a touchdown. So I think there is a good chance that he has uh, one of those touchdowns in this game. I will say, I think there is a time to play Tyler Higby. It's not this time of his yeah. 17 career touchdowns. 10 came against the NFC West. So if you have Tyler Higby, Tyler Higby, or if you're looking for a backup at some point, keep him on that hostile whenever he plays a divisional foe. But against Seattle, really uh, I mean, there was actually the one year where literally it was play your tight end against Arizona. And we'll see yep. those trends pick up this year. It's it's hard to correlate everything that happened last year in terms of fans points allowed to this year because things change. Give yep. us a couple of weeks to get some data to where we can actually see who these guys are and then we can make some better assumptions. But right now we're just doing the best with what we got. But that will wrap up today's episode of Run the Table Podcast powered by a Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating and a review on whether it's on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. It is always greatly appreciated. Also, continue to stay up to date with the latest around the league by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com, where you can find analysis covering not only fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. And get involved with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN Productions, weekly giveaways, and weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineups, waiver wire advice, Sunday morning start sits, and plus even more betting coverage during the week to help fill up that bankroll. And it's also never too early to get in your 2023 mock drafts because, yes, the college football is here and some of us are excited. You want to jump in and get on that PFN mock draft simulator, head over to profitablenetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Ian over on Twitter at NFL Film Study and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. Speaking for Ian, I am Tommy, and we'll see you guys for another episode of the show.